Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there, and thanks very much for joining us on this episode. It's all about local. A couple of months ago, we were speaking with Cork County Council about the inaugural Best in Cork Awards, which acknowledged the tremendous work being done by businesses of all sizes right around the country. Now, three winners were selected during the North Cork Divisional Awards in the three categories of Best Small, Best Medium and Best Startup. And these will all go forward to the overall final that's being held in County Hall in January. And it's an incredible mix of companies. So we thought it was a good time to have a chat with them. And first up, we're going to speak to the winner of the Best Small Business, which is for businesses of less than 10 people. Enrica Moore is the co-founder and operations director of Visca Systems, which is based, I think it's in Potavent, Enrica. Is that right? That's correct. Tell us a little bit about what you guys do. You're on the road, what, about eight years? We are, yeah, just over eight years. So what we do is we create intelligent automation that enables machines to move, think, and see. So what that actually means, I suppose, in in a simple terms, is we create automated inspection systems that help our customers to produce their own products to the higher level of quality. So what kind of machines are we talking about here? Is, is it robots that consumers will see or is it stuff in factories that we'll never see? It's normally stuff in factories that it's not really meant for consumers. So we work with a, a really broad variety of industries from medical device, automotive, food and beverage, electronics. And it's it's really, I suppose, depending on what they want to inspect, whether it's to find defects, whether it's measure something, uh, make sure that their packaging is correct. It's those automated systems that would help them and elevate, I suppose, their own quality. Yeah, not wishing to cast aspersions on North Cork, but if I was looking for a very high-end robotics company, I probably wouldn't have thought of Butterfield. So how come you ended up starting the business from there? Yeah, I know. We get that every time, actually. It's... um it wasn't really, I suppose, by choice. We, we actually started the business in County Louth, but majority of our customers are kind of based around Cork, Galway, Limerick area. So we thought it would be better to be closer to them, uh, to support them. And and we moved to County Cork and, and Butterman kind of seemed in the middle of, of everything, you know, Limerick, Cork. So we said, why not? Um, and there was space available there. So... We, we're based there in Butterman at the moment, but we're looking to expand. So we have plans to open a second facility in Cork City, hopefully in the new year, uh, and grow from there then. So tell us a little bit about what the move was like to Butterman, because um, I, I don't know what part of Louth you are in, but uh, Butterman, lovely little rural town. Uh, you've got a little bit of traffic there from time to time, people passing through. But for the most part, it's a beautiful part of the countryside. Did your work-life balance get better when you moved, Enrique? Yeah, I would say so. You know, it, it it's a lovely community in Botavant, really. Uh, a lot of local businesses there. Everybody knows everyone. Um, and I think for us, it just worked to be worked better to be closer to our customers. We, you know, hop in the car and we can go to the customer in Cork. We can go to the customer in Limerick or, or Galway. It, it makes that journey a little bit easier. Um, and yes, yeah, so definitely, I think the life balance um, is is much better. Yes. Um, of all the businesses you're working with, you mentioned there's a lot of them are in Cork and in Limerick and yes. in Galway. Are are those businesses Irish businesses? Are they multinational businesses that are trading here? Uh, so a lot of the customers would be multinationals, uh, but we also work with uh, small, medium-sized organizations that, that would be indigenous Irish companies as well. 
So reputation-wise, you're obviously building, and if you're working with those companies, they're, they're hard to get in. I'm presuming that you guys have a good runway ahead of you in terms of how the business can continue to grow. Hopefully. Uh, yes, it, look, it takes time to build that reputation. And I think, you know, to get the first few multinational customers, it, it is definitely a journey. It's not easy. But once once you get a few, I think the, the road is a little bit easier from there on. Um, you you are able, you know, to refer to a few names that everybody knows and it makes a life a bit easier. Uh, but look, it, it required a lot of work, you know, and, and we try to innovate a lot within the business. We're constantly trying to upskill and reskill as a team and, and find the solutions that those customers are looking for. We got ISO 9001 certification there just last year ourselves, again, to help with that option of getting into these multinational companies. Uh, so hopefully that from, from here on, we can just continue on growing and, you know, reaching customers, not just in Ireland, but abroad as well, okay. which we are already doing, but uh, hopefully on the larger scale. Oh, we can never, we can never rule out more. We'll always take more if it's going. Uh, Visca, V-I-S-K-A dot I-E is the website address. Enrique Moore, co-founder and operations director of Visca Systems. Best of luck at the Best in Cork Awards in January. And thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Next up, the winner of the best medium business in North Cork, which is for a business of between 10 and 80 employees. It's a company called CPH, Charleville Hire and Platform, established back in 1989. And Martin Hanley is the director there. Hiya, Martin. Uh, good afternoon, Jonathan. Tell us a little bit about what you guys do. You, you, you're responsible for a lot of the hoists that people see around the place and the CPH brand uh, people will be familiar with. But give us a bit more detail about the business. Yes, thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, we're a, a, a traditional plantar business. We've been known as down here in Charleville. But our nationwide coverage is predominantly in the power access hoists industry, as you say. Um, Ireland has a very significant pharmaceutical food ingredient and foreign direct investment category. And we focused the company on that over the last number of years, particularly since 2018. We escalated that process uh, to make our presence known in those areas. There's a huge pharmaceutical industry below in Little Island and Ringiskiddy, and it's one of our key markets uh, for the the maintenance, new developments, ongoing development of the various pharmaceutical food companies mm. in that area. When, when you the business was established back in eighty nine, would it have been more construction based? Would that have been fair to say? And and you realised then there was a need elsewhere. You're 100% right again, Jonathan. That's exactly it. The history of it would have been for the agriculture and DIY sector that moved on into the construction through right through to the to the, bo- the boom and crash of 2007-2009. Um, and we were active in those sectors, but we got hurt badly in the construction burst of 2009. So we had to refocus the business and look at different areas. Down here in Charleville, we have the big Kelly Group. That's a big food production, food ingredient company. And indeed, in Mallard, there's dairy gold. So we started looking at companies like that. And then we threw our attention down to Little Island and Ringskiddy and saw the dominance of pharmaceutical in those areas. And that led us to direct the company in those directions. Mm. A lot of the decisions being made, though, by those big companies now are based on how green you can do it. So uh, I don't know how they would have operated previously, whether they were all run on diesel or petrol. But have you had to do a lot of work to make sure that your fleet is compliant with those wider ESG goals of those businesses? 
Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's a journey we all have to take to 2030. And um, our fleet is predominantly uh, green. I mean, we took in our 1100 and 1101 machines the other day. Again, they were battery, 100% renewable energy products. Indeed, 88% of our machine, powered access machinery fleet is uh, now green uh, or renewable or bioenergy product. This is a, a key component for those industries. They need clean material uh, machinery inside in their projects. Um, that directive um, it, it benefited us in that we are now we can now say safely, and it's actually published in in our industry magazines. CPH in the entirety of the British Isles is the greenest powered access company by some distance. When I say to you that 88 percent of our fleet is green, uh, I see in their industry magazines that the nearest would be in the late 60s, early 70s of a green fleet. Now, that's obviously a conscious decision that you've made, Martin. You realise that we have to head in this direction or else we're going to be left behind. Presumably, that came at a fairly high cost. Oh, and that's it. There's a significant burden in doing this. Indeed, we've been lobbying for some time now with the government to help us out in the context of the additional cost between the battery product and the traditional diesel product. Even if we could just get the gap between the cost of the engine, not necessarily the full machine, uh, through the accelerated capital loans that people would be familiar with on the CARES model that came out there a number of years ago. But we've been unsuccessful here before in that, that process. And mm. um, it doesn't stop us. Our decisions are made. We're clear. We're, we're going green. We're going more and more and more. Indeed, in our diesel engines, the next stage of that then would be to look at putting in the HVO, that's the hydrogenated vegetable oils, into it instead of the traditional red diesel. Um, and that's something we're working with the providers to see can we go down that route in mm. the next year or two? Obviously, uh, cost is one thing, but the changing sectors is another. You've, you've tapped into a market with the pharma and the life sciences. Uh, will construction ever come back to where it was? Or have you decided, Martin, it's it's safer to put your eggs in the other basket? It's safer to put our eggs in the other basket. No, the construction sector, it, it's very busy. There's a massive housing shortage in the country. There's no doubt about that. But uh, once bitten, twice shy. Um and no, it's not that it's low-hanging food for us in these sectors, but we specialise in it now, and we've become known with a lot of the contractors that are active for the key players, the likes of Lily in Limerick, which is a big project going on right now. We walk throughout the country, we walk with Wuxi in Dundalk, we work with uh, Pfizer's down in Cork and all for that. So we do have a big presence in these sectors, and we concentrate on that. And our product rollout and our direction of the company is staying there. Yeah. It's fascinating, though, to hear all the places that you're operating in Ireland now. Not bad for a business that started out in Charleville. Uh, your, 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 your name still bears the town where you're based. Uh, back oh. in 89, did you ever think you were going to get to where you are now? No, no, no. Indeed, we, think we get a lot of phone calls and people would say, hello, is that Charleville plant? And of course, we answer the phone, yes, it is. I'll never forget that or, or never forget our roots. Indeed, we contribute massively to the local economy down here. In last, last year, we spent 3.8 million locally. Um, and I take great pride in that, Jonathan. It's like, I, I, it's like we're like fishermen. Our lorries go out all over the country. We bring in money from the projects and we spend it here locally. Um, I, I just did some analysis last night before I was coming on the call with you today. And we are active in 19 of the 26 counties today. So that's a quite a nationwide presence. It is. Like Shaw's, you're almost nationwide. You just have to work on the, the other few counties that are outlying, but you'll get them eventually. It is. It is. <laughs> that's quite true. It's funny. My mother used to always say that about Shaw's, that I'm almost nationwide. <laughs> and and when, we passed, when we passed 13 counties some time ago, 
I said it's hard, but significance was left at that stage. <laughs> well, look, we wish you and everybody at CPH the best of luck when it comes to the Best in Cork Awards, the overall awards in January. Martin Hanley, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks very much for the invite, Jonathan. Have a great day. And finally, in our Best in Cork, North Cork Whistle Stop Tour, we have the third winner in the Best Startup category. This was open to businesses that were set up in the last two years. And I've heard so much about this business and I've seen them on a number of occasions. It's absolutely mad what they're doing, but mad in the best possible way. It's called Bladebridge. They're based in Mallow and Angie Nagel is the co-founder. Hi, Angie. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm very well. It's lovely to talk to you again. I mean, I've explained this to a couple of people in conversations about recycling and it's it's just so crazy. I'm going to let you talk about it because I won't do it justice. What do you guys do in Bladebridge? Right. In Bladebridge, we work with wind farms um, to take their unwanted blade material um, when they're decommissioning full wind turbine, full farms, and we repurpose it into structural applications such as uh, bridges, um, telecoms towers potentially and furniture outdoor furniture in particular so in other words the big twirly things that people see on the top of the mountains they reach the end of their life cycle and you turn them into other things exactly yeah so after about 25 years or so they're they're repowered so they're replaced with higher output models and the old turbines are taken down everything else can be recycled but the blades aren't commercially recyclable yet and so we take them and we use them nearly intact um, for new applications such as bridges. Mm. I have to say, a little bit like myself, when you get older, a younger, more impressive model comes along and you sometimes become <laughs> a little bit more obsolete. But what you're doing to these slightly obsolete things is you're putting them into a new purpose. I mean, their longevity is is beyond what they could have yep. been as a wind turbine. I mean, how long will the bridge last once you put it down? Exactly. So up to 60 years. So this material, it's been cyclically loaded. So it's been, you know, flapping away in the wind for the last 25 years or so. And we use it in a new static application, which it can last another 60 years or so in. And the material is the material's amazing. It's the same material as in a boat hull. So it's glass fiber reinforced polymer. It's really durable material. And this material can replace, um, say, steel, steel girders in a pedestrian bridge. Um, it has similar or better structural properties and it's totally durable so it doesn't need any maintenance so the amazing thing about these blades is you can substitute things that require a lot of maintenance like steel um, with these blades that don't require any maintenance okay how did you even remotely come up with this idea Uh, because it's beyond mad as far as i'm concerned but i'm guessing (laughs) it it kind of stemmed from the area that you were working in already did it yeah, exactly. So there's there's a lot of people behind this. This wasn't my idea on its own. So it stemmed from the Rewind Research Network, which was a, a huge research group between Georgia Tech and Atlanta, Queen's University in Belfast, UCC and MTU down here in Cork. And there's a, an array of people working on this. There were geographers, there were structural engineers, um, there were environmental engineers like myself, there were sociologists as well, um, who were all collaborating to find the most sustainable uh, end-of-life use for these wind turbine blades. So we came up with a pile of ideas. And from the ideas, we started looking at things like, okay, where could we, um, where, what applications would use up the most amount of blades? And then we looked at like geometric shape matching. So we said, right, what products are out there right now that are made of steel or concrete that have a similar shape to the blade material? Mm. And we started narrowing down all these different ideas that we had come up with. And 
bridges really stood out, like pedestrian bridges really stood out from the get-go because Ireland is expanding its cycling network. So there's about a thousand additional bridges that Ireland's going to require um, to build out all these greenways and cycleways that, that we have planned. And the blades that are being decommissioned in the next five years are the exact, like perfect length for the length of bridges that are going to be built yeah. um, for the Greenway Network. Mag- ma- yeah. Magic. You'd almost planned it. Um, uh, but <laughs> you, you've got one of these in place already. So what's the reaction been like to it? Well, okay. So the, the bridge that we have in place is three kilometres from the Middleton um, train station on the Middleton to Yall Greenway. And it was installed January 2022, but the Greenway hasn't opened quite yet. It's planned to open, I think, in the next month or so. Um, there, So... From the people that have been allowed to go visit it, there's been a few community groups that have gone out there. Um, it's, they said it's amazing. Like, it's it's different touching the blade material and seeing it and interacting with it um, in person than just seeing the pictures of it. So from the pictures, you can clearly see their wind turbine blades. You can see the root section is still exposed. Cork County Council wanted to make sure that the bridge. You could clearly see that it was made from wind turbine blades. So the wind turbine blades are very, very visible. Um, but just interacting with it and being able to touch the blade material is quite impactful. Like it's yeah. quite, um, you know, you can be quite inspired. You're thinking, you know, if I can use, if somebody can use wind turbine blades to build a bridge, like what other things yeah, could we use? Absolutely. What, um, what else? Yeah. I mean, and that's my question that what, was going to come to next yeah. is if you didn't turn them into bridges or furniture or whatever you're going to do mm. with them, what would happen yes. to these? Would they, would they have well, to be melted down, broken yeah. up? That's a, that's what's going. So right now in the states they're landfilling them, but the states has lots of space to landfill, so it's not as pressing there. Um, there'll be a landfill ban in Europe by 2025 that was called for by the wind sector, so it's really initiated a lot of efforts in in the recycling space for the blades. But for recycling, you could grind them up and um, turn them into concrete. You can you know add some more uh, epoxy resin back and and turn them into panels and whatnot. But in general, nobody has been able to commercially um, to, to get recyc- any of the recycling processes commercially viable. So the only option right now is really grinding them up and turning them into cement or landfilling them or repurposing them, which is what we're working on. So the recyclability of them is just it's, it's probably another few years before somebody will be able to make any money out of it okay. and scale through cycling. Well, up. the only thing is you've had the idea now and by the sounds of it, you're not going to stop until you actually have this revolution. Angie Nagel <laughs> of Bladebridge, best of luck uh, in Thanks. the Best in Cork startup category uh, when the final happens in January. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, Thank you, Angie, and thanks to everyone who took part in this, and best luck to all of them in the Best in Cork Awards. Red FM is the media partner for the Best in Cork Awards, so we're happy to do that. Don't forget, you can listen back to every episode right now on the Go Loud app or on redfm.ie, and our video podcast series, Red Business and Focus, is also available with thanks to Cork's local enterprise offices. Fiona Corcoran was the producer on this episode, and we'll catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.